And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Barrels. It is December 6th, day three of the winter meetings in Nashville. And things are heating up. So we brought on Ken Rosenthal, senior baseball writer here at The Athletic. Ken, are we getting a Juan Soto deal done today? It sure sounds like it. And every indication is that they're near the finish line. So I would expect by the time people hear this, that Juan Soto will either be a Yankee or be real close to being a Yankee. Actually, he's real close to being a Yankee as we speak. We've been wondering, is there another team that's even been close the last few days? Or has it really just been two teams that really need each other, as you wrote about earlier in the week? It sounds like it's more that, that these two teams need each other. The Padres have needed to do this for financial reasons and to get pitching back and to create the financial flexibility to get more pitching. And for the Yankees' perspective, they need to go back into shock and awe mode and get some stars. And Juan Soto is one of the maybe biggest five stars in the game. So it will satisfy them as well. Obviously, we're not sure yet on the return and what this is going to look like in total. But Juan Soto in Yankee Stadium, you know, I think that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, I mean, he does go awful a lot, but uh, when he pulls it, it's just going to go right out of that short porch. Uh, plus that that approach uh, with Judge. Judge is always going to have people on. Soto's going to have people on. Those are the two, like, OBP monsters. You know, it's going to be great for the rest of the lineup. Um, I mean, I think it's just interesting if, like, that they are bidding against themselves. You know, one thing that is really important in this game is pitching depth, you know. And yet you're the Yankees. You need to go to shock and awe. You need to like, you know, maybe get the Yamamoto or whatever. Get the get the big piece on top. You still need to to get through the season. You need I'm with these you. Britos and you need these Vasquezes, you know. And, and one if problem you give up too had. many of them in one deal that you might be bidding against yourself. That, that's right. well, that's were, why it's taking a little bit of time. I they guess. were insisting that they were not going to do King and Thorpe in this deal. It uh-huh. looks like, as we speak here, they are doing King and Thorpe in this <laughs> yeah. thing, as well as perhaps Vasquez and Brito. And that's that's where I might be trying to draw a line a little bit is like, well, we're giving you a major league piece and we're giving you one of our better pitching prospects. I don't know if we can also give you both of our number six, number five, six starters, you know, so maybe they're trying to keep one of Brito and Vasquez. And that's right. the last little bit. They're and again, we over. don't know. We don't know exactly what is entailed here. And if there are any hitting prospects in it. Right. And, yeah. and what they're getting back. We don't know. It yeah. might be more than Soto and perhaps Trent Grisham, who could still be part of this. Maybe and they get been, a young player or two back. Who knows how they big this they've thing They've been also be. been rumored to try and be uh, shopping Cronenworth to save, not save that money. That's right. And Higashioka has been reported to be going back to the Padres. So we're throwing out a lot of names here. <laughs> yeah. We're not giving you a lot of definition. But, but it's going to be really interesting to see the final version because as Eno says, yeah, pitching depth is like, Number one right now. It's the thing you need most just to get through. And the Yankees in this deal are certainly going to give give up some of that. 
yeah, and late career veterans are going 12, 13 million for even one year deals right now. So it's expensive to backfill those spots if you don't have organizational guys filling the back end rotation depth spots. Uh, Alex Verdugo, is he staying with the Yankees or is he possibly part of a deal like this? Because usually a lefty in Yankee Stadium, we're excited. Verdugo's approach is not as pull happy as most lefties and doesn't seem like he will necessarily take advantage of that ballpark the way a typical lefty would. Does sound like he's staying. And the idea is going to be from everything we're hearing, Soto, Judge, Verdugo, which is an interesting group. Not obviously the best defensively. Not the best defensively. Verdugo's good defensively. Actually, maybe one of the worst outfits. Well, Judge in center is a question in its own. But Soto's been and Soto's been the biggest problem defensively. Yeah, okay. You said it. (laughs) (laughs) He has been. He's he's gone down. He's declined in that area. So Verdugo's an interesting guy because he's never hit more than 13 home runs in a season. And yet he's a corner outfielder. Corner yeah. outfielders generally hit a lot of home runs. He's or, a spray you know, hitter, you know, gets on base, you yep. know, puts the ball in play. Which they need. Yeah. They can't all be sluggers and, and strike out. Yeah. It's a little bit more like a, a DJ LeMayhew offensive profile from the left side. That's yeah. what it looks like to me when I look yeah. at it. That's a good call. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We've seen 10 years, $300 million thrown out there as a possibility. What do you think about that as a guy who hasn't thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball yet? Well, Jackson Churrier just got $82 million. He hasn't played a single game in Major League Baseball. And Yamamoto is a three-time Japanese version of the Cy Young winner, three-time MVP. He is the most dominant pitcher in Japan right now. Obviously, that is a huge number. And it's funny to me that initially we were talking about $200 million as the floor and that has gone up now i don't know if he gets 300 but because he is 25 that's the key driver here 10 years 30 million dollar av that's 300 it's not that crazy and there are so many teams that want him it seems like he is going to get that will salmon of our staff today reported that steve cohen the mets owner was in japan last week to meet with yamamoto when the Yankees read that, they're probably going to freak out. <laughs> the Dodgers, the Giants. I mean, it, it, it seemingly every big market team wants in, and for obvious reasons. You know, Jason Stark had a great piece about, you know, people being nervous. Ben Charrington was quoted in that being like, well, we have pitch grades now. We have uh, biomechanic, biomechanical analysis we can do even off, off of video. Like, we were, we were able to know a lot more about the underlying processes. You know, I've got a number Stuff Plus, and Yamamoto's uh, splitter would be, by Stuff Plus, would be the best among starters in baseball. Uh, his fastball would be in the top 10, among the top 10, uh, and his curveball would be among the top 10. I so mean, that's, that's three pitches yeah. that are really outstanding but have you have you you know and yet in jason's excellent piece there's some nervousness maybe about uh about like 10 years for a pitcher maybe a smaller pitcher have you heard any nervousness too i've heard some nervousness and perhaps from rival agents yeah. who have their own <laughs> pitching clients to push he is smaller and there is historic scouting bias against small right-handers. That's Even right. though this game has produced Tim Hudson and Pedro Martinez and a host of others, Spencer Strider Marcus is a pretty Stroman. good small right-hander, Marcus Stroman, Sonny Gray. I can go on and yeah, on. Yeah. But that bias, that concern does exist, and I guess Yamamoto is fairly slight as well. Mm-hmm. So coming into this game in the major leagues, sure, there are adjustments to be made. There are differences, but... You know, the teams are so smart, you know this. They wouldn't be so feverish about him if they didn't think he was the real thing. How much do you attribute the 
quiet nature of this meetings to Otani. Is it somewhat Otani, mostly Otani, entirely Otani? Because I can understand how some of the top end free agents would be fallback options for the teams that miss out. But a lot of mid-tier guys could go somewhere, and it doesn't really matter what happens with Otani in those cases. It's not entirely Otani. And it's funny, I was just talking with the GM this morning, and he said to me, it's not all Otani because it's not a great free agent class. And you have a number of players from Asia being posted at different times. So there are all these different things taking place. And as the example he used for it not being a free agent class, he said the second best hitter was a guy who was one of the worst best player, one of the worst players in baseball a couple of years ago, Cody. Yeah. Uh, the third best hitter is Matt Chapman, who was really only a good hitter in April last year. And this is after Otani. So Otani Chapman, I'm sorry, Otani Bellinger Chapman. And the best hitter just had basically elbow surgery. Right. So <laughs> it, 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 it all kind of fits. But at the same time, Otani does affect a lot more than we would think. And when you said, sure, he affects the top guys, but what about the middle tier guys? I'm even hearing from the agents of certain relievers that because their teams are waiting to see what happens here, they're not sure what they're going to have to spend for that a second tier third baseman saying it's the same kind of thing it's just a trickle down effect so a lot of it is that and at the same time otani is under no obligation to sign here mm-hmm. he's under no obligation to sign by december 31st january 31st he can sign whenever he wants the reality of the market is though that once he goes things will start to happen is there what about the the tv situation i know that's got to be a damper on this too and i've been trying to talk to some executives about you know first of all no executive likes uncertainty and the tv situation is an uncertain situation for 10 11 teams out there so i think that's got to be a damper on like what we're seeing out of seattle has to be related to that i mean Mm -hmm. they basically paid a young player to to get money off of their roster um and so uh, I, I think that's got to be part of it, but I'm also asking them, well, how much do you think you'll lose? Because it's not like they'll go from you know a hundred million dollar contract or sixty million dollar contract to zero, because baseball has said we will step in, we will, we like they've already done this for the Diamondbacks, produce and sell. So I've been trying to get a sense of what that will bring in, and I'm hearing 60, 80 percent. They think. Have you engaged anybody on that? I haven't level about- gotten that deeply into it, you know, but. But it's definitely a damper. It's a number, situation. and it's definitely a damper. It's Texas, it's Minnesota, it's Cleveland, perhaps Seattle as well. I, yeah. Seattle's ownership doesn't need an excuse not to spend. They <laughs> seem to find them rather quickly. So there's no doubt that that has had a chilling effect on those teams. Now, how much they'll get back really depends on the direction they take. If they go direct consumer and start selling subscriptions – the way it's been explained to me is it'll never match what they were getting from the RSNs. Because we were being subsidized by people who weren't even watching. Exactly right. So yeah. I can't say for sure what effect it's going to have. And these are still businesses that are doing rather well. But Overall. you're right. The uncertainty is what drives the owners crazy. And I know Texas in particular. Ray Davis just won a World Series. They should be doing great Haven't but he's nervous because they were making 111 million a year from this thing it's and one of the better deals it, and what was one of the better deals and now it's up in the air yeah and i thought the rangers all along like josh Hader to the rangers makes all the sense in the world they i thought otani that bullpen i hit. thought they were going to be on otani big and uh, they might have been otherwise yeah that's uh, really unfortunate 
Ken, we appreciate your time and your insight today and uh, look forward to catch up again soon. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, you know, let's talk about some of the other moves that have gone down here in the last couple of days since we last recorded. Eric Fetty to the White Sox. It was a name that started to pop up a lot earlier in the week. Two years, 15 million. What changed during his time? in the KBO. He's not the same pitcher he was when he left. Few pitchers are. Apparently, uh, this is interesting to me, Brian Bannister, uh, who is the director of pitching or some such role for the Red Sox now, I believe, uh, and Ethan Katz, who is the pitching coach for the White Sox, were in a facility with Logan Webb and Eric Fetty before this KBO season and watched Eric Fetty learn Logan Webb's sweeper and his split finger changeup, and that's what he added to his arsenal so those two had a front row seat to seeing it they saw probably the movement numbers probably something they can also get from kbo partners um so they know that this is a different picture now you could probably give eric fetty uh, a B B minus version of Logan Webb's split change and split and sweeper and have him not be that great. Like, like right. that's how bad Eric Fetty was before. <laughs> he, I think Eric Fetty was the kind of person that based on what was happening as a pro, he would go into an off season and say, I got to just do something completely different. None of this is working right now. It's a former first round pick and a guy that had Tommy John coming out of college that would have been drafted even earlier if he was healthy in that draft class. We also know Washington isn't necessarily the best place for a pitcher to grow. So I think as far as opportunities go, this is a guy that had a two ERA, a .95 whip, 209 strikeouts, and 180 in a third innings in the KBO. You know, projections coming back in are still lukewarm because everything we've baked in from the big leagues was so bad. But we've seen Merrill Kelly come back and have a lot of success. We've seen uh, even someone like a Colin Ray, different guys that come in and they're, they're good innings eaters. At the very least, yeah, I think he could be a back-end starter. But this is a smart flyer for the White Sox, and they were far from the only team interested. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just checked uh, his stuff plus on his four-seam fastball was a 52. How is that possible? Uh, so uh, still a bad fastball, but maybe with a bunch of other pitches. I think it makes sense for the White Sox to do this. You you get like a fourth or fifth starter with – that's fourth or fifth starter money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a little bit of upside. Maybe he did uh, shape his fastballs a little bit too, or maybe he got, uh, got a little velo bump, or you know, maybe he's just going to be a credible dude. Uh, for 2-15, and 15, that's worth it for them. So we talked about Alex Verdugo briefly with Ken Rosenthal, and Verdugo to the Yankees was 
weird because he got there by way of the Red Sox. Those teams obviously don't trade very often. We talked a little bit about the approach and thinking about Aaron Judge in center field, certainly a slight downgrade to the overall outfield defense based on where things are going right now. A little more wear and tear on Judge's legs, which could be a concern more long-term than short-term. I actually think one of the more interesting parts of the Vertugo trade is the opportunity it opens up playing time-wise for players still in Boston. Sedan Rafaela and William Abreu could actually coexist more easily in an outfield in Boston where Alex Verdugo is no longer part of the equation, in part because the three players that came back in this trade, Richard Fitz, Greg Weissert, and Nicholas Judas, they're all pitchers. So they didn't bring anybody back to really clutter up that playing time situation. Yeah, I, I personally uh, am not sure that Jaron Duran is a center fielder. Um, and so this makes a lot of sense now. Duran can be a – he's going to be okay you know, defensively in the corner, yep. you know, and there's not as much pressure on his glove anymore. Abreu himself does not have the best glove and it's more of a hit first uh, profile, but Rafaela has plus defense either at short or in center. And this is uh, basically, I think brings the floor up on his playing time this year. I think he's assured of near full playing time because he's got different opportunities towards, uh, towards that. But um, I'm interested, uh, you know, if the Richard fits in, uh, in Boston, I think it's going to happen because uh, he has a very interesting type of, uh, of pitches. He's got um, a cut ride fastball. That's something that the, the Cubs really like. It's a it's an interesting profile that seems to be doing well across baseball, uh, where it's a, a kind of a four seam, uh, but it doesn't have quite the the ride of a, a regular four seam. But it also has doesn't have any of the horizontal movement. It's kind of a, a kind of a straightish fastball that hitters aren't used to he also has a slider that has lift it doesn't drop so uh this is like kind of a true sweeper where this is a horizontal you know pitch that does not drop um it's an interesting profile that has led to a lot of whiffs in the zone uh from what i've seen so i think that he's the the prize of the package weissert uh had really nice stuff plus numbers in triple a but i checked 18 pitches per appearance I don't even think that's uh, he's not in that class. They've got a class of kind of reliever starters yeah. uh, when it comes to uh, Cutter Crawford, Tanner Houck, uh, Garrett Whitlock. They've got a lot of guys who are in between starting and relieving. I think Weissert is a reliever. Maybe that allows them to start Whitlock. Maybe it just gives them depth. Whatever it is, they needed arms. I just talked to uh, Craig Breslow about how much work they need to do, not only uh, on acquiring major league arms that were ready to go, but on pitching development and how what that's going to look like with Boston. So I think that this is you know step one of a process that's turned the pitching around in the major league quickly while underneath we are changing processes that help develop our, develop our own pitchers better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think Weissert's kind of a, a career reliever in the minor league, so it makes sense. He'll just be part of that bullpen mix, but a lot of guys that are kind of in that mix to compete for a back-end rotation spot, depending on the other additions the Red Sox make over the course of the winter. Uh, staying in the AL East, Craig Kimbrell nearing a deal with the Orioles. At last glance, it wasn't official yet. It makes a lot of sense when you consider that Felix Bautista is recovering from Tommy John surgery. He's out for 2024. Orioles, of course, had a ton of success in 2023, spending a little more than usual. Kimbrell, I, I feel like Kimbrell gets a little bit of a bad rap in part because he's had some blowups on big stages in the postseason in recent years, but he's still a good reliever. He's not the elite reliever that was on more of a clear Hall of Fame trajectory at the beginning of his career, but he's still probably a top 25, top 30 reliever in the game at this stage of his career. Uh, I hate to, you know, 
bring out the stuff plus numbers again. But, you know, for relievers, they're very powerful because mm -hmm. you're tied to your stuff as a reliever. I mean, that's all you've got. You've got your stuff. He was still top 20. And I think that one of the, th the one of the flaws, one of the reasons we've seen the blow ups, they've been homers. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's going to go from a park that was, you know, seventh friendliest for homers to a park that's, you know, since they've put up Mount Baltimore uh, has been more of a 25th place place uh, to do to to hit homers. So I think that'll be a good mix with his flaws. And also, it's probably end up going to be a short term deal. That's where he is in his career right now is taking one and two year deals uh, to keep the average annual value high. Um, and that just fits what the Orioles need, because, you know, Felix is going to be back. Uh, you're going to hear you're going to hear that uh, that that sound from the wire. And and King Felix is going to come sauntering out of the bullpen again. Uh, and they've got some other pieces in Cano. Um, but, you know, they needed a, another end piece. And I think this is a good idea. Yeah, it was something that we thought they were going to do um, even more aggressively at the trade deadline this year and uh, not surprised to see them spending a bit on relief help this winter. Other relievers on the move, we got Kirby Yates to the Rangers, Luis Garcia to the Angels. Probably not a lot of you know, fantasy-related implications with those because those are more like holds league sorts of players. Uh, Yates in particular with the Rangers being on a good team, that's another good landing spot I mean, for him. There's, there's some in question about who the closer is in, uh, in, in Texas. I don't, I don't know that I'd put Yates as the primary candidate for that, but uh, you know, he might in deeper leagues, he might be kind of the guy who, who gets some saves uh, anyway. I think I still of their current options prefer Leclerc to Yates, but I think there are some intriguing names out there that could end up being and big you've upgrades. Seen Leclerc could go up and down over his career. Yeah, too, so. he, he's got a little bit of that too. There were some wobbly outings in the playoffs that made me wonder if he's really their guy. I mean, you heard it when we were hurting. talking with uh, with Ken. I think that you know, in another year in a different TV situation, uh, they would have gone and shopped at the top end of the market in Texas. Yeah, and Josh Hader's still available, but it just seems less likely that the Rangers are going to pursue him than we might have thought even you know, a month or so ago. Uh, we do know where Marco Gonzalez is probably pitching in 2024. It was made very clear after the in his involvement in the trade between the Mariners and Braves that he was not going to stay in Atlanta. He is now in Pittsburgh, a player to be named later going to Atlanta. Cash going with Marco Gonzalez to the Pirates. I imagine health permitting Marco Gonzalez is just a good back-end starter for them, and he lands in a, a decent park, so that's at least a, a solid landing spot for him to chew up some innings. Wow, on the depth chart on Fangrass right now, Marco Gonzalez is second in the rotation. Ooh. This is not necessarily yeah. uh, about when you've got Luis Ortiz, who needs to figure some stuff out. Quinn Priester needs to figure some stuff out. Jared Jones is in the process of figuring out the ABS system. Mm -hmm. uh, is from what I've heard, is it's excellent, excellent stuff. It's the, the command numbers that you're seeing uh, with with Jones are related to dealing with the computer strike zone. Uh, they've got Bailey Falter. Skeens is probably on the way. If Ronzi Contreras can like find his fastball. Uh, you know, he could rediscover some of that upside. And then they've got Jackson Wolf, uh, the 88 mile an hour uh, wonder that they, they picked up from uh, San Diego in the Rich Hill trade. I mean, Skeens is one thing. I mean, that's Skeens obviously a, yeah. a top end talent. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Jared Jones. They need Marco Gonzalez because the rest of those guys are big question marks, I think. Yeah, and I wonder if they can find their way into a middle-tier addition to that rotation. One more free agent splash. I know it hasn't been their organizational approach, but I think it would actually give them a chance to you know, be at least a 500 sort of team in the NL Central. I liked what they're doing in Pittsburgh, slowly coming together, but I think they are at least one quality starting pitcher away given the young uncertainty. 
why not take a chance on Seth Lugo and, and you know, maybe put a million more on that deal than, than somebody else, you know, and get a, get a guy for three years. You know in it's Pittsburgh that you're building towards something, that you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, your young players are coming up, you're putting together a team that should win sometime in the next three to five years. Why not sign a three-year deal with Seth Lugo or if the market on Edward is is too soft because – the Mets are out and nobody likes his stuff plus. And, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez in Pittsburgh, like that seems like that would be, you know, a recipe, like just right. Like, you know, Detroit, like a nice park for him. He's going to, you know, overperform his, his velocity and his stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, I think that would make a lot of sense for them is to, to go get one of those guys. That's, I, honestly, that's kind of the top of the market <laughs> these well, days. Yeah. It's not the very top, but it's uh, it's right underneath that. Maybe you can go uh, get one of those guys while the big teams are, are napping, while they're trying to get Otani and they're worried about trading for Soto and they're doing all these you know top-line things. Maybe go and snag Seth Lugo when nobody's looking. I feel like someone like Seth Lugo, if there was as much interest as there was reported to be an <clears> Eric <throat> Fetty, that Seth Lugo has even twice as many teams interested, 8, 10, 12 teams pursuing him. Be. Right, I mean, and then that's that's probably a three-year deal. It's his best chance to get that. Plus, yeah. it's probably twelve to fifteen million in AAV as more and more teams get in the bidding. But I want Seth Lugo for like three and thirty-five, three and forty-five. I would do that. I mean, I I, I think that would be a great way to to uh, to shore up the middle of a rotation. And 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 you know that you've got this like sort of high floor in that. You know, if it doesn't work out in the rotation for whatever reason, he's proven that he can be, you know, a seventh, eighth inning guy. So it's, you know, it's not like you're going to go from 15 to zero in terms of value getting back. That's true. That's definitely true. I think we should talk about this small move that ordinarily wouldn't make any ripples at the winter meetings. Victor Caratini to Houston, because it's good news for a hitter we like. Yiner Diaz, who should have played more for the Astros in 2023, increasingly looks like the number one catcher. And Caratini's a good enough backup to play a third of the time. So maybe you're still talking about a catcher in Diaz as he continues to improve the defensive facets of his game. Maybe he's still going to start 100 games behind the plate and maybe a, a dozen or so as the DH, and Caratini plays the rest. But that they didn't bring back Martin Maldonado, I think is really good news for the playing time outlook for Diaz in 2024. Diaz is is really exciting. I mean, the one thing he doesn't really show is patience at the plate or a sense of the strike zone, but he's got, uh, you know, I would say a decent hit tool for the amount of power he's got. So you're talking about a guy who might strike out 20 to 22% of the time. I'm going to take the over on the projected strikeout rate, just given uh, that he swings at half the pitches he sees outside the zone. I think that yeah. I'm not sure he's going to retain a sort of 18, 16, 18% strikeout rate, but uh, especially also his whiff rates last year is he had a 15% whiff rate. Uh, that suggests to me that I think the strikeout rate is going to be a little higher than the projections. Uh, think that they think they are, but still with that kind of power and that, that that's, that's actually average contact. Now uh, I'm going to take a, a, like a 260 average and 25 homers and, and, that makes him one of the top five 
you know, offensive catchers in the league? Yeah, I think the only thing that holds it back is a, a smaller share of playing time than some of the guys that will be ranked ahead of him. There are some questions about his defense. Uh, I've heard varying reports uh, from people. I've talked to this to people about this in, inside the game, and one, you know, some feel like there's actually a bit of a language barrier. You know, that he's, you know, you're, you're talking about a catcher who doesn't really speak English, and you've got to, you know, figure out ways that uh, you can get past that. I wonder if that's something that technology can help with pitchcom i mean like i know it's more there's more to communicating as a catcher than calling the game yeah, it comes out in, in spanish in one com and in english right. in the other yeah i mean like it, yeah you're just entering on the keypad so it's you but know. there's all there's the whole sort of prep work that comes right. to before the game when it comes to like just knowing uh everything about your pitchers even sometimes connecting with the pitchers you kind of want your catcher and your pitchers to to form bonds you know as humans you know so that uh, they kind of understand each other's tendencies and uh, can make good calls for each other. Also helps, though, you know, Framber Valdez, uh, Christian Javier. Some, there are members of that rotation who speak Spanish, too. So, like, that softens the blow. If you had true. five guys in the rotation who spoke no Spanish, it'd be a, a tougher fit That's right. for someone like Diaz. He's trying to make uh, those kinds of adjustments. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I had this segment idea for our show on Tuesday, Is This News? And <laughs> they're so desperate for news here that the the rule five. I think this is the most well attended rule five I've ever seen. <laughs> I think I think thirty thousand people were in attendance for the rule five draft this year because it's just like well we're here so we might as well we might as well attend. I think this counts as news. Uh, Perry Manassian saying that Mike Trout will not be traded this off season. I I still can't with any degree of confidence tell you the angels are going to do X, Y, and Z because it's the Artie Moreno factor. Yeah. But I think they're going to try and compete, but they're going to do it without Otani. Yeah. And I, I try to think what's their path forward. What, what is, what is enticing to free agents sign Blake Snell? And that'd be interesting. Another pitcher. Yeah. I mean, they need, they need it. They need a little bit of everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then I think at some level, Hope Rendon gets it together. I mean, I know, I know that you're rolling your eyes at this point. Most people are saying that he's not even, he's not even talking a good game at this point. No, no. but uh, broken. broken but, but how are you going to sign like a Matt Chapman for four years and 65 million when you still are spending 25 million a year yeah. on your existing third baseman? I mean, that's, I know there's some costs and like, I know that there's, I'm talking about a fallacy on, on some level, but there's also just the, Realities of a budget. It's like I, if I have twenty five there, like you know, it's hard to put a fifteen on top of it. I, I look at their course like, okay, we're not trading Trout. Fine. So you got Trout and you have Neto and you have Logan O'Hoppy. And before the shoulder injury, Logan O'Hoppy looked like a great pickup from the twenty twenty two trade deadline. That, Didn't he show some power when he got back too? Yeah, yeah. He seemed he seemed to recover from that surgery very well. well. Yeah. So I think that's really encouraging. I think that set him up for a pretty normal progression through the offseason. We've we talked about how we think Zach Nato is pretty good. There's a lot of untapped potential there. I mean, just tore up the minors, got to the big leagues so quickly. I, I'm not um, I'm not the kind of person that would want Nolan Shanuel's skill set at first, at first base. base. That doesn't work for me. No, but that's that's picking nits. Brandon Drury is still. But if solid. he's like one of the worst players on the team, or if he's like a, a a six hitter for you, and he's cheap, then it's maybe not a problem. Yeah. So I just look at the roster and think, okay, where are they going to upgrade? Taylor Ward should be healthy. If the scary hit by a pitch in the face in Toronto. Mickey Moniak and Joe Adele at the top of right field seems like a place where you could maybe invest some money. You got to fix but that. Yeah. The corner outfield situation in free agency is not amazing either. I mean, if you're talking about. Uh, Lourdes Goriel, uh, and, uh, you know, if it's not Bellinger, right? And I'm assuming maybe that money would get tight, you know, with, uh, with Bellinger, but maybe, maybe they're, maybe they just go big and they're like, well, we're not going to spend the 400 million, but we do, we did spend like 35 million on Otani last year. So let's spend that 35 million that we spent on Otani on Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell next year. Yeah. I mean, I'd like that. And I think the one thing about Otani's, departure or likely departure it's not a certainty is that now you can dh mike trout some days you can take a little wear and tear off his legs and off his back and, and I think then that's cody makes nice. sense because mike trout's defense and center is i mean you leave him there because mike trout wants to be there but it's yeah. i mean i wouldn't describe it as uh you know top top of the league i think you're at the point though where if you bring in someone like bellinger you'd say I get it. I'll, I'll move to right field. It's fine. I'll be in the corner. We, we have an upgrade there now. The other notable tidbit that stood out to me, and this makes sense. We talked about we Jackson Churio. Jingle. Is this news? <laughs> There's our jingle. Right there. <laughs> Jackson Holiday will have every opportunity to make the opening day roster for the Orioles, which is something that I think we would have assumed anyway, just based on what he did in the minors last year. It was Brandon Hyde speaking to some reporters who put that out there. I believe it was on Tuesday during his media session. So even just like comparing Jackson Churio to Jackson Holiday, as far as what you expect them to do initially, does Jackson Holiday have a, a safer floor based on what we saw them do in the upper levels of the minor leagues, even though both players have just extraordinary ceilings? Safer floor than whom? Than Jackson Churio. Ah. Uh... Possibly, there's a uh, there's definitely a better sort of plate approach when it comes to walks and strikeouts. Um, you know, we we have incomplete uh, power batted ball information for both of them, but um, the reports are that Churio has 
plus plus power. So he's a little bit more of the, you know, plus plus power, maybe some swing and miss mm -hmm. uh, profile. Whereas Holiday may uh, end up more in the sprays the ball around, has a great average in OVP, but maybe doesn't hit, uh, you know, 35 homers a year or something so you know different profiles different strengths and different weaknesses but uh, you know from all accounts holiday is a very polished hitter uh that should hit the ground running and he really jorge mateo is a good player but i think he's best cast as a utility player i mean he would be one of the best utility players in the league i think in terms of ability to play short ability to run um and uh and change the game on the base pass i mean it just a, he, he's played center in this pass like he he can play all over that's what i would uh cast him as and uh I, that would leave me uh holding joey ortiz ramon urias connor norby uh you know in my back pocket you know and i tried to get a sense we were talking to mike elias trying to get a sense of like how he how much he's going to wait for uh the two young guys in the in the minor leagues uh, chase mcdermott and i forget oh, povich kate povich uh you know he was he 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 kind of dropped them he said that you know we've got two guys who are ready in the minors but he did also talk about timelines where we you know we learn from grayson rodriguez and we learn from kyle bradish that it doesn't always happen right away and so if you can i think they were going to try and supplement with money and free agency rather than trade uh but the trade options are have higher ceilings sometimes like a dylan sees has a higher ceiling than uh a seth lugo you know and so uh you may see them try to package that you know joey ortiz norby uh they also have heston kerstad behind ryan mountcastle on the depth chart um and in the outfield you got colton hauser behind austin hayes i mean if you're lucky you can trade like an austin hayes or an anthony santander yeah you can trade arm. i mean that the I, they would love to do that players, and yeah. keep one of the keep the younger players you know um but it may take it may take one of the names i've said between kerstad kauser uh norby uh, and ortiz uh to pry away uh a dylan sees uh, if that's the way they go i think you know we've talked about this a lot but you know there's always florida there's always miami uh <laughs> you know looking for bats and uh offering arms so i mean how great would it be if they put yuri perez on it i mean that's that's too much but that's what if they wild. thought that they had a uh, they had a, a way to figure out edwin cabrera's command right you know and they traded for cabrera and put him in that rotation gave him the tyler glass now treatment with a single a single uh, target or figured something out in his pitch mix, uh, that would pretty be pretty exciting is to throw a 98-mile-an-hour arm there next to Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, that's the type of team that could win a World Series. I, I think so, and I, I think part of where – like there's two things that have changed in Baltimore over the last several years. The front office and their ability to identify pitchers that can be fixed, I think they have that. It, it's part of the DNA of the Astros, and that's, of course, where Mike Elias and – and Sig and a lot of the people in that front Some office. Some proof came from. in the pudding with Bradish and Rodriguez, like figuring the, that out. The recent successes there. Bradish is a great success story. John Means, to an extent, kind of part of that too. And then you say, well, 
the ballpark also helps. In addition to the adjustments we can make, the ballpark yeah, can uh, fix the flaw. such a mental recalibration we've had to make over the course of the oh, last two, yeah. three years. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore used to be a place that you streamed hitters. <laughs> yeah, you streamed hitters. You, you had no interest if a, if a player got traded there or signed there. It, it was always a, a negative for their, their outlook for the upcoming season, big big downgrade fantasy-wise. And now it's it's a place you're seeking out pitching. It's a place where <laughs> I, I see a lot of value because I feel like outside of Grayson Rodriguez especially – uh, the market hasn't fully caught up to it yet. Even though people know about it, it's still there's skepticism about Bradish because it's only been you know one season plus a a late run in 2022. Rodriguez is always going to be way too expensive, relatively speaking. And I know the adjustments after his demotion are a big step in the right direction, but this is just one of those teams that has to do something. You 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 did so well. And you've got so much position player talent still stockpiled, you can't play everybody. So I, I think as we do get to that next wave of moves post-Otani, the Orioles will finally trade some of that surplus. It seems inevitable. And you also have to kind of sometimes look past um, what people say about their own prospects. Yeah. Everybody loves their own prospects. I mean, I'm looking at Cade Povich and Chase McDermott's minor league stuff plus. And again, it's not everything. I know these are starting pitchers. They have results, but you know, Povich's results are not even that good. Uh, he's got a, a, a 100.5. So basically a league average stuff plus uh, down in the minors in triple a and, uh, and McDermott has a one one So neither of them is blowing the doors off the, the hinges when it comes to stuff. Maybe uh, they can be coached up, but Povich doesn't even have the results. So I'm not necessarily organizationally looking at those two as anything other than like if someone gets hurt, we'll give them a shot. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll be good. I don't necessarily have them. Like we just talked about Jared Jones. I would be more excited about Jared Jones than I would be about either of those two prospects, you know, if I was playing fantasy or if I was, you know, their teams. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Jared Jones is really interesting. I think he's a great deep sleeper here for 2024. Uh, two more items in the is this news bucket before we sign off, unless a trade happens in the next three minutes or so. AJ Puck stretching out as a rotation candidate this spring. I'm, I'm just surprised by that because I thought it I thought it worked really well for him in relief. I just thought that was going to be his long-term home. Well, uh, it, as Mason Miller Goes to the bullpen. <laughs> AJ Puck comes out. Uh, there seems to be uh, something similar about these guys. Uh, but um, I always thought, you know, I remember we were uh, at, I was at spring training and, uh, you know, I come up on AJ Puck. It must have been uh, 2019. And I thought, it's like a Randy Johnson game. You know what I mean? This guy's throwing 98 with the wild, the hair, everything, and a little bit of a demeanor and like, I was like, this is interesting, and he's had the strikeout rates all the way along the way, um, and the velo has been pretty good, but 11 innings in 2019, 13 innings in 2021. Am I missing minor leagues here? Okay, I'm missing some minor yeah, leagues. Yeah, 21, there's some minor leagues. So 2019, all in all, we got about 30 innings. 2021, we got about 60 innings. 2022, 66. Last year, 58. I don't know, man. I just uh, I think at some point you you show how many how many innings you have capable in your arm, and it seems to me he's he's around sixty. I'm surprised uh, that the home run rate jumped as much as it did. You know, being in Miami, park that does a, a pretty good job suppressing power. Uh, I think the I think that could just be a small sample thing. In 56 innings, you you give up one or two through 
too many homers and it just looks terrible. Yeah, seven and sixty-six and a third during that final season in Oakland, though, too. So that's it's not as bad as it was in twenty twenty-three. I think a step back in that direction would be nice for him. Fifteen saves last year, though, too. Seventy-eight Ks against thirteen walks. That's a really good reliever. Don't mess with that. Don't break him just to try and and squeeze more innings out of him because it's been tried enough times. Like we can and Tanner Scott, like. You know, Tanner Scott has real command issues. It would be better to have a righty-lefty command. They both have command issues. So, like, you know, you never know in a given season. Maybe they just can't find it. You know, you'd rather have a backup plan. Like, I'm not, like, putting Tanner Scott in my bullpen and just being like, job's done, you know? Yeah, no, so, like, you enough. take Puck out of that bullpen, you're like, okay, so what else you got going, you know? So I, I think they'll end up coming to their senses. So here's the, the wildest one for the rundown for a long time. Dylan Coleman traded to the Astros. I'm kind of excited because I thought a couple of years ago that Dylan Coleman was going to quietly become a closer in Kansas City and now he goes to an organization that has done a lot of great work with pitchers over the past decade now. We're talking about a guy that had an 884 ERA and a 21-19 to strikeout to walk in 18 of the third innings last year. So I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but am I just deferring to the Astros here or is there actually a, some stuff to like with Dylan Coleman that can be reasonably fixed? Uh, I've got a little story here. It's, I guess it's, you know, it's somewhere between gossip and I mean, it's, I, I don't, I, I like, I don't have this verified by multiple sources, not something I could necessarily put in a piece, but I had heard that uh, at one point, Dylan Coleman uh, on the Royals was throwing a sweeper and that is pitching coach told him to stop throwing the sweeper, uh, which he did for a while and it didn't go well. So he just started throwing it again and nobody said anything. So uh, just a little little window into what's happening in, in Kansas City. And I think this actually just goes back really quickly to um, trading with the Yankees when it comes to uh, prospects, trading with the, you know, the Rays and, and the Dodgers when it comes to arm prospects. You know, I had a conversation at... 2 a.m. over many beers last night uh, in the in the bar um, about like how do you leverage that like do you would you rather get an arm from the Royals than from the Dodgers because you feel like you know that arm is coming to you maxed out so Greg Weissert is already throwing his slider as much as he's gonna throw you can't tell Greg Weissert to throw his slider more he's throwing it a ton you know what I mean and you you know if you've got Fitz like you there's not much you're gonna tell Fitz to do he's he's done the things that the good organizations tell their pitchers to do in the case of Dylan Coleman I think you know I think even the stuff plus numbers might be lying because he might not be throwing that sweeper. Maybe he's throwing two sliders, and they're going to tell him, stop throwing that one slider, throw that sweeper. We're, we know the sweeper's good. Please throw the sweeper. So, um, you know, you've got decent velo. Uh, you've got uh, at least a history in his past of being able to shape uh, spin, and that's what they're getting. They're just, they're just like, they like velo. They like spin. They think, they think they've got some raw material to work with, and, and then maybe on some level, they're taking them from a team that they don't think they really know what they're doing. <laughs> From a philosophical perspective, I would much rather try and find players in an organization like that than fish in the pond of Dodgers prospects where everything has been, every reasonable thing that a smart team does has already been brought out. It doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes, but you're more likely to get something, to improve something 
when you get a player from an org more yeah. like the Royals. I mean, like the Giants had all of their top relievers in, in, in not, not even the top, had all their relievers in the top of their minors in AAA and stuff. Uh, just throw sliders like 60% of the time. <laughs> now, like if you're combing through the minor leagues and you're like looking for relievers in AAA that have good strikeout rates, so, like all these like Giants relievers pop up, Mauricio Jovera and like all these guys and like, you know, all of a sudden, Mr. Jovera is on waivers and you're like, well, you know, of course he gets claimed because of that strikeout rate, but there's just not like, there's just not another level. People kind of want, you know, to think that there's some clay they can shape, I think, with these acquisitions, these these sort of lower acquisitions, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, you want a little bit of a project because you yeah. feel like you can do something that they just haven't done yet and get a better inspected result. But when Dylan Coleman's pitching the sixth inning and has great numbers in October... The well, we told you so, I guess. Yeah, that, that's that's why I wanted to, just, I just wanted <laughs> to put shame on, the on you, Royals. Come on, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it. The Juan Soto trade has not happened. It's not happening. It it's three o'clock Eastern as we're getting ready to sign off here from Nashville. We're, we're going to produce this quickly for you. We're going to turn this around as quickly as possible. <laughs> we have more conversations from Nashville. Eno spoke to a ton of different people with jobs in baseball. So we have a series coming out. Uh, those will be individual interviews on YouTube. We'll put those into podcast form as well. So keep an ear out on the feed for that episode or those episodes. Well, we were we were just really lucky because uh, there was nothing going on, so we were able to get some executives in here uh, talking about uh, you know their path into the game and the types of skills uh, that they're looking for. So if you're if you ever were you know, curious about getting a job in baseball, you're looking to get a job in baseball, or you just wanted to know what kind of, you know, people they are looking for. I think uh, check out the series. There's a little bit of vignettes with different players, uh, different people in different parts of the game. Yeah, whether you're just curious about how people function within baseball or you want to work in baseball one day, I think there's a lot of a lot of paths to be really interesting. We got in everybody from like Kyle Bodie to uh, Sam Fold. So it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, great lineup of people. It really is. So that's going to do it for us from Nashville. We are back with you next week. Thanks for listening.